From the 915 to H-Town, from the Panhandle Plains to the Valley, and everywhere in between, this is the 5050 Podcast, powered by National Scouting Report. Join me, Hector Cano, as we cover the Texas high school club and college soccer landscape, along with an inside look at the college soccer recruiting scene. The 5050 Podcast is a platform about the people and for the people who are dedicated to the beautiful game. Here we go with another edition of the 5050 podcast, powered by our proud partners, NSR, National Scouting Report. They are the world's leading authority on all athletic recruiting. You can get more information on what they're about on socials, on Twitter X, at NSR Now, as well as on Instagram, at NSR underscore now. And you can get more information on what they're about on their website, at NSR-Inc.com. Here we are. We're back. Episode 105. And my next guest joining us from all the way out in what I call the real West Texas, right? Far making his way towards far West Texas for episode 105. Bailey Guffin, the head men's soccer coach of the Sol Ross State University Lobos. Coach, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm excited. Yeah, excited to have you. I mean, you got uh, next to no sleep, uh, fresh off the plane in El Paso. Just got back from the United Soccer Coaches Convention. Tell us, uh, tell us a little bit about that before we dive into anything else. What was that like? Yeah, it was good. Um, last time I went was in Chicago, and so Chicago around this time is bitter cold. So being in Cali yeah. for a change was was good for us. Um, good. It, it was good to start seeing old coaches and new coaches and uh, some new recruiting platforms and vendors and things like that. And always cool to do classroom sessions and you know field sessions. See what see what the change is. I think, I think it's good to take a couple of years off each time because there's always new updated things that everybody's kind of into new technology, new tactics. And um, so I think, I think that part is good, but it, it was good. It was our women's coach's first time ever going. So he, uh, he really enjoyed himself this time. Yeah. Coolest, uh, coolest thing you saw uh, while you were there in Anaheim. The coolest thing I saw. Yeah. Oh, I mean, obviously, uh, Javier Zanetti was there um, re- helping running a session with the with the Inter Academy. Um, mm-hmm. It's always cool to see, you know, Randy Waldron was there doing some tactical stuff with, you know, the Nigeria national team that he was doing with the women. That's always cool to get an insight. Um, I, I always just think it's really cool to see what everybody's doing in within their team, uh, especially mm-hmm. college and, and higher. Um, and of course, you know, we're right across the street from Disney. Nothing wrong with that either. So, um, some, some cool things out there for sure. Yeah. Great weather. I'm assuming too, which is typical, right. Of that part of uh, the country, you guys get no, no rainy weather, nothing like that. It was chillier out there than we thought it would be. Honestly. Um, we went out there with, I was out there in shorts the first day. And once we walked outside, I had to turn back around and go get some, go get some pants on to be fair. (laughs) And then at night it was actually chilly, but, um, that I'm sure it's way better than how Chicago will be next year. So yeah, yeah, a little different between Anaheim and Chicago, that's for sure. So, yeah. um, what was attendance uh, attendance like? Um, any different from Chicago? But because you know this is what only their third or fourth time they've gone out west, right? Um, what did you notice there? Was that uh, su- surprising in a good way, or what was that like? 
I I thought it was I thought it was really good. Um, just it seemed like there was a lot more this time. Um, that might have been because California, there's more people you can see outside. You know, in Chicago, everybody's stuffed in the convention center and and things like that. But I think just up and down the strip, you know, you just see so many people. So I think it was good. Um, I felt this time there's a lot more like, you know, recruiting agencies and things like that. They're obviously quite popular with, with college coaches right now. Um, and I, I think, I think now it's, it's really adapting to be for everybody rather than just one type of coach. I think it's for every level. I think it's for every skill level, every type of coach, beginner experience, been there for 50 years, just first year this year, it felt like it was m- that's that's how it feels it's really adapted to it's it's more for everybody now i think more than ever mm-hmm. awesome well you know before we dive in a little bit more into soul ross specifically just give us a little bit more insight uh for some of our listeners maybe where a uh, couple of places of where you've been and how you got to soul ross yeah um i originally grew up in georgia um i did the first two years of my bachelor's degree there um I got into coaching pretty early. I just, I just decided that was going to be the best type of path for me. Playing wasn't really realistic for me anymore. Um, I decided to get into coaching. Um, and then I wanted to go to a school where coaching could become a career. It could be a degree. Um, there'd be a ton of opportunity. Um, so I actually transferred to West Virginia university. Um, they have an athletic coaching education degree specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, so I did that during that time. I, I worked with the local clubs at Mountain United, uh, FC Alliance, and then I took on an internship at DC United with their with their under 23s group for for a summer and a winter. Um, that was really cool. And that kind of, I think, helped segue my my foot in the door with the men's team at West Virginia. I got on just <clears throat> manager, um, did that for a bit. And then they asked me to be the graduate assistant on staff um, and then did that right I did that up until right when COVID started, um, you know, with COVID and a coaching change and things like that. Um, and my master's was ending. I, I, I moved on to Oklahoma Panhandle State, um, which is an NAI out in Goodwell, Oklahoma. And then I was the assistant there for two years. I was the head coach there for a year and then came out to Sol Ross State. So I've made it from Georgia all the way out here. <laughs> yeah. so it's been it's been a cool little ride, an interesting journey. So. So, you know, you, you mentioned West Virginia, then uh, Oklahoma Panhandle, and now so you're so you're getting further and further away from Georgia, it seems like, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So so let me ask you this. Why a lot of people really don't know in terms of Alpine, Texas, Saul Ross, um, why Saul Ross? What what intrigued you? What intrigued you about it, you know, when you first, because we're going to dive into that a little bit more in terms of your first year, but why, mm-hmm. you know, why Saul Ross? Oh gosh, I was asking myself the same question when I was coming out on on my visit. Um, I so funny enough, our one of uh, the offensive coordinators at Panhandle State was a Sol Ross alumni. He left from Panhandle State to go back to Sol Ross to to work here. Um, you know, and he obviously put in a good word, and I I did the interview process and things like that. And I honestly, I honestly wasn't sure what to expect when I was coming out here, but I knew I needed to give it a chance. Um, I really liked the vision of of our AD here. She was, you know, obviously the the division two change was on the horizon, and and the plans for that were really cool and super ambitious, and something that I think really fit with what I was looking for. Um, I came out here and. 
the people are great. Um, I love a small town, uh, believe it or not. I, I just like the quietness of it. I think the scenery is beautiful. Um, and then I think obviously recruiting in Texas, you get a huge pool of players that um, maybe a lot of schools don't get a lot of access to. The The price of the school is also very attractive to not just Texas players, but players all over the country and even outside of the States. Um, obviously being three hours away from El Paso, we, we have a relationship with locomotives and their Academy, which mm -hmm. brings in a, a high profile of player as well. I just, I just thought with the, the division two change on the horizon and everything that Sol Ross really had, it really made me think it was a project worth taking on that we could have success. And it, it, it will take, it will take time. It will take building, but I feel like in the long run, we could really have success going into the Lone Star, such a competitive conference. But I think the ambition of everybody within the school um, in the athletic department really aligned with what I would want for the project too. Yeah. Yeah. yeah Alpine, you know, West Texas, you start getting out into far West Texas. Alpine is a, a sneaky, sneaky, cool place, right? Mm -hmm. I tell people all the time and you have to go there. You have to experience it. You have to. And then you're like, it's like, wow. Okay. This yeah. is it. Yeah, and uh, much more scenery and the weather. The weather can be very different from prototypical Texas too, which, yeah. <laughs> which is also kind of surprising. But yeah, mm -hmm. no, it's a great, uh, great opportunity for sure. So, first year at at Salt Ross, right? This past this past season, um, thoughts when you look back on it now. Obviously, the further and further you get removed from the season, and before we dive into talking about the spring. Maybe some of the uh, just the general thoughts on your first year and then specifically to your squad, maybe some key key lessons learned from the 2023 season. Yeah, I mean, just reflecting back on it, I think I got here mid-July, so not a ton of recruiting to get done. So you're kind of having to take what we have and, and make the most of what we have. There's not a lot of time for change. You know, it was about picking two or three super important things that I felt we needed right away. Um, I just felt we just needed to get on a, on a direction. Like, where are we going? Where are we actually taking this? What, what needs to be the new idea of what it means to play for, for Sol Ross. Um, and so that's, that's where we really attacked really quickly. Um, and then obviously just getting them a way to play that they really enjoyed and they could identify with and something that they could really see kind of process based things with that. Um, it definitely came with its challenges. It was a young group. Um, it was predominantly freshmen last year. Um, and so coming back, they are sophomores. They are a little bit older, um, but still, still just young, just, just, it's a competitive conference here in the, in this division three conference that we had to compete in. Um, and so looking back at it now, I think some of the lessons we went through is um, maybe at times we felt we were trying to implement too much change Um I think as a young coach, it's easy to come in and go, I want all of these ideas and I want to put them in here and I want them to, to happen now. And I want change and, and um, maybe, maybe taking a backseat and giving them more digestible things, maybe in terms of tactics, the, the college season, um, what my expectations are. I don't think they, they ever wondered my expectations, but um we were, we were, I was pretty aggressive with my approach in terms of what needed to change and what we needed to do. And sometimes that can be a lot to swallow for, for young players that may have not been around something like that, or for the freshmen we did have, it's, it's brand new to them coming out of, you know, their high school team or their club setup. Um, those are the biggest lessons, maybe just 
finding more. I think what we wanted to implement was good, but just finding more things that are easily digest digestible for younger players. Mm. How do you find yourself? Um, Cause I'm sure it's a bit of a, it's a little bit trickier than you. I mean, obviously you can put your focus on your, your existing roster, the, the season in front of you, but did you find it, were there some, some unknown things maybe that you didn't anticipate as far as navigating that during the season or right away postseason, as far as, you know, you're a style of play, a philosophy, and then, but also for the existing conference, but then you also have an eye on incoming recruits. And then of course your next step, which is not only making the jump to D2, but arguably one of the top three uh, division two D2 conferences in the nation, right? In Lone Star, in the Lone Star Conference. Was there some trickiness to that going through this season or right away at the end of the season? Um, It was tricky. I think I think yes and no. I think where we were, it was important for me to evaluate players and know who's going to be ready for a jump like this. You know, to, you know, it's one thing to go from Division three to Division two. I think it's another thing to go from Division two to the Lone Star Conference. Um, and so we had to really evaluate players and and kind of put them on a process based pedestal of like, yes, it's going to be great to try and play a way that grabs us some results now and puts us in a winning mood and things like that. But I think at the end of the day was my ambition for the project is um, to bring in players that play the way that I need them to be playing by the time we get to the Lone Star. So it was about, I wanted to put a style in there and a philosophy in there that they could get comfortable with, because if they are going to the Lone Star with them, I don't want those things to be new to them going into next year. Um, mm -hmm. And I want them to be adapted to those things. And I want them to guide young players that are coming into that new environment. Um, you know, as we have returning players, sophomores to juniors, juniors to seniors and, and things like that. I think it was getting that embedded straight away, whether D3, D2, this is the way that we eventually want to be playing. This is the way that eventually everybody needs to be playing um, rather than just the focus on let's find a way to get the early results. Um, now that's not to say that if we had gone the other direction, we were going to go undefeated. That's not, that's not right. the, that's not how that works. Um, I think for me, it was more important to go, okay, what is my long-term vision of this thing look like? I need to find the guys that fit that now. Correct. Um, and Correct. so now looking at the recruiting class going forward, it's the same thing. And obviously we'll have our struggles year one, year two, things like that. Um, but it will be the same. We do want to bring in guys that yes, they help us, sneak a result or two in there and, and help us. And, but we also want the guys that would go, okay, by their, by their junior year, can this guy be playing the way that we want him to play him? So now then when it's time to win games, you know, we expect them to, they're hitting both sides of the target. Like we're winning games and we're also playing the way we want them to play as well. Gotcha. Oh, great stuff. Uh, great breakdown. Thank you for that. Um, so in speaking of tricky, right, we'll stick to trickiness if we want to stick with that word here. Um, so obviously we've mentioned the jump, making the leap to D2 effective July, July 1st of this year, right? I think it is. Is that July? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Around that. Yeah. So, yeah. July, July of this year, you make, uh, make the leap to the Lone Star Conference. How do you navigate now? We've talked about the fall season, but now how do you, anything different or how do you navigate that, that tricky spring season which is for d3 can look a little different from d2 and d1 mm -hmm. but you know full well you're diving into to yeah. d2 in a matter of months how do you navigate um, 
the the trickiest side right now is obviously still getting the word out. <laughs> um, every now and then we do get a couple that are like, "Are you guys still D three? I thought I read your D 2 We're like, "No, we're we're D 2 um, So I think that's a part of it. Um, that's why we try to be so active on social media as mm-hmm. much as we can, doing things like this that that do get our word out there. Like, hey, the Soul Ross is making a change. We're making the jump. So I think that was one thing um, because sometimes you know whether we agree or disagree with it. Division two is a lot more attractive to a ton of players and, you know, it it can, it can be navigating that. How do we get ourselves out there? So we're making sure we are selecting and recruiting from some of the best recruits possible, Texas in the country, and then uh, globally as well. Mm -hmm. Um, Looking at the spring, we are technically in a division two spring where we can start training more, uh, playing in more friendlies. And for some of these guys that, you know, have hopes to play in the Lone Star a lot of them are like, this is their opportunity. Like they have their opportunity in the fall, but as you know, like we're playing a game every two days and where is the room for development for those guys? And so this spring is a development period for them. Can we get them ready physically from a soccer perspective um, mentally? Cause playing a lone star schedule is going to mentally take a toll on everybody um, getting a staff prepared. I didn't have a GA in the fall. I have a GA now going into the spring. So getting, getting staff members prepared for this move as well. Um, those are the trickiness. And then of course, with recruiting, bringing in young players, that can be in the lone star potentially, and then getting our word out there to some of the, some of the big players that we'd like to to have playing here at Sol Ross. And so it's a process based period in terms of bringing in some younger players and having a younger mm-hmm. core going into next year. Um, I would say the trickiest thing is getting the word out there because sometimes they're just like, Oh, you guys are D three. No, man, we're, we're D two. Oh, what conference Lone star. And they all go, Bleh. Oh <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Good for you guys. So it, it comes with these challenges. Um, but I think RGA and I actually sat down this morning. He's back on campus now and we've yeah. really, started navigating like hey what are the five most important things this spring that we want to get really really good at recruitment analysis development our culture these are the things that need to change these are the things we like um these are the things we need to be doing over the next you know however many months until the guys get back here in august right well so yeah i bet getting that word out it can be interesting because like some more some of the things so what is what is enlightening, what is good to hear is that you all are essentially already implementing or allowed are allowed to Im, uh, implement that D2 spring developmental model, right? Which is good. Right. Which is good. Right. So, um, so that's, that's, that's great to hear. Now, the other piece though, too, is now you're diving in, but all of this change is prepping. It's happening across the campus, across the athletic department. What are maybe some of the key things that you can highlight that you can mention within maybe even beyond soccer or maybe it extends to the women's soccer program and across the athletic what are some of the key pieces that are already being implemented as you prepare to make that official jump to d2 yeah so our our admin we've they've had the opportunity to to shadow um a lone star school and kind of see their setup um you know our athletic director before she was at sol ross was at a lone star school as well so she uh, very much understands what it's going to take for us to to get there and get things moving. Um, obviously, I think the biggest the biggest change, the obvious one, would be now we have athletic scholarship. Getting everybody right, getting everybody right. in tune with how we do those things, how we award them, and and compliance meetings with that. 
eligibility is is changing as well. Um, you know, and contact periods. Uh, I mean, you think it's hard for a D3 coach to do new periods in D2. Imagine what it's like at the NAI going now D2, where we have not 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 as many rules as we do in the D2. So even for me, it's 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 been a change. Um, I think I think the biggest thing will be the the scholarship part of it, the eligibility part. Um, now, it, especially within the men's soccer program, we are now outreaching to international players, which is not something that is is happened here at Sol Ross, especially within the men's soccer program. And I think across all of our sports, it's mainly Texas. It's actually mainly El Paso and Dallas and Houston. Um, and so it's going to be getting those international guys in, out-of-state guys. How do we navigate all those things? Um, I would say those are going to be the biggest pinpoints that we have. Um, but the women's coach and I say the same thing. If we can just get them here, we think we can keep them here. Um, and so it's just, it's just one of those places. And that's why we encourage so many visits to just get on campus, you know, see the mountains and see all, see the campus and everything like that. We, we keep them here. I would say those are going to be some of our biggest changes we'll have to, we'll have to be aware of. Biggest misconception about Sol Ross. What would you say? Besides, besides the fact that you're, D, you're still D3, right? <laughs> Which biggest misconception would be. Uh, it's in the middle of nowhere. There's nothing to do. There's nothing there. I think that'd be the biggest misconception. Um, I think this is one of those places that yes, if you're just planning on sitting inside and sitting in your house, yes, that will be, that will you be the perception of the place. There's not a whole lot to do. It is one of those places you have to make the most of it. Um, I think with the outdoor life and everything we have going on on campus and the different programs we have and the things that are going on within their degree plans and internships and things like that, um, there definitely is a town around campus. So it's not like campus and then nothing. The town of Alpine surrounds our campus um, with our facilities that are easily accessible to all of our athletes. There's a element to it that if you want to be a, a really serious athlete, this can be a place just because of the access to facilities and, and walking distance and everything like that. Um, it's definitely a place you have to make the most of. Um, but I think, I think a lot of people put their finger on the map and just go, it, there's nothing like, what are we, what are we going to do? Um, I think there's plenty to do actually here in this current role that I'm in. I actually get to be more of the soccer coach than I probably was in my previous role. Um, I, you know, my guys find things to do they have lives outside of the game. And so they're not just, you know, hearing from me every day and we're having to always make sure they're doing something. Yeah, um, they're yeah. very self-efficient. Um, and those things take time and maybe not as much time as, as young players might want to give it sadly, but um, that's very natural. But I think that's going to be the biggest misconception is looking at where we are and going, ah, you know, nothing there, nothing to do. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now you, Obviously, your program, beyond your program, the athletic department, the school, making that making that transition from D3 to D2, you yourself, right? You find you alluded to it a little bit. Um, how do you find yourself? That's a lot of transition, even for you, from NAIA to D3 to D2 in the span of a year, right? Yeah. Um, how do you how do you find yourself personally as coach and managing the program, right? Being a program director, how do you find yourself navigating all, all of those little intricacies and new things that are being introduced. Um, I am in, I'm in my assistant athletic director's office every day before I do anything, <laughs> before I do anything, before we post anything, uh, email, 
you know, tracers, anything like that before I hit send, before I hit tweet, before anything like that, I am in the office and he probably doesn't like seeing me as much as he used to now. Um, our women's coach, um, who was, you know, he was here at the, at the D3 level and, um, you know, asking, I just ask a ton of questions because that's really what this is at the end of the day. It's just like, we can still run a very successful program. We just want to make sure we're doing it the right way. Um, and of course, I think the beauty of that is, is with all of us transitioning to D2, there are no shortcuts in what we're doing. We're making sure that we're doing everything by the book to the T to make sure that we are learning the correct way. Um, rather than maybe if I'd gone to an established division two, where you kind of find your shortcuts and, oh, this is how we do it and things like that. Um, you know, we're going to learn the proper way of doing things. Um, but there's not a ton, there's not, there's not as much change as I probably joke about. Um, it's really just more recruiting periods when we can talk to guys, when we can start, you know, but at the NAI level, it's not like we're talking to freshmen, like we're, we're our recruiting periods in terms of when we're really signing guys are, are all the same, probably right, at every right. level. So when they were like, you can't talk to a, a player at this high school age, I said, you know, at the NAI, we weren't talking to them until their senior year anyway. So those, those are not a big deal. Um, and it's just a ton more paperwork involved, which <laughs> makes me organized, which I think is good. Um, I, I don't see too many changes that were just, overwhelmed with just because right now our ADs are doing a great job of doing everything by the book and making sure that they are answering every question. If they don't know the answer, they ask somebody who's going to, um, and they get us that answer pretty quick, making sure that we are staying with staying within our lane over the next few years to make sure we get fully inducted and everything like that. Thoughts on thoughts on competing on in the uh, Lone Star conference. I'm excited. I, I am. I am. Um, a ton of good coaches. I, I used to work with uh, with Brandon over at Eastern New Mexico. We worked together at Panhandle. He was the head coach. I was the assistant there. Um, good. I mean, all, good recruiter. Always has good players. Um, he's actually got a few of our Panhandle guys there right now. So there's a good caliber of player on that neck of the woods. And playing against the old boss will be will be good. There are coaches that um, we used to coach against in that conference at the NAI. There will be coaches that you know, obviously Midwestern State is now a national powerhouse and that's going to be super exciting to eventually have them playing in Alpine. And um, we've got a player there right now. That's an, ex an exceptional player and to play against him and, and see him playing is going to be great. Um, I think playing against some of the best players and some of the best coaches in the country is, is exciting and challenging. Um, you know, I'm looking forward to, to having those um, especially a couple of those games that will mean a lot to, to us. Um uh, yeah, we'll we'll have some nerves along the way. Uh, we're quite a young coaching staff, and um, we'll we'll fail along the way, and we'll make our mistakes and things like that. But I, I think we're definitely definitely excited to see some old faces and um, play against every team is quality. There are no bad teams in this conference. There are no bad coaches, no bad players. Um, I think that's what's going to be the most fun about it. Yeah, for sure. It's an incredible conference, an incredible soccer conference. And as you know, some of that, some of that is that ripple effect is also impacted by the fact that there are, you know, so few D1 men's soccer programs in the state of Texas as well, which just further, uh, further highlights that. Um, you know, we tell us a little bit who are maybe some players uh, going into this spring, going into next year. Maybe one or two that you can highlight that you can tell us about that we should know, maybe know a little bit more about 
And then, I don't know, how do you feel about your recruiting, your incoming recruiting class as well? What, what are your thoughts on those two? Talking about current players in my team that we should look out for. Um, we, we definitely have one that um, he's a, he was a freshman this year. Um, his name, his name is Angel Lugo. He actually went to uh, Socorro High School in El Paso, um, played for, played for minors. Um, he was, he was a recruit off the previous coach. And so I had never seen him play when he showed up on campus and he is, he, he is a good player. He is really good. Um, you know, he's a bit smaller. He, he loves running at people and sometimes kicking people. Um, he, he can play on either side. He scored some massive goals for us this year, has a ton, a ton of passion for what he does. Um, um, I mean, I can't speak highly enough for him. We're, we're still teaching him, you know, we're still teaching him some of those professional things about being in a college soccer team now. Um, but we, we look at him and go, wow, that's somebody that e even if he's not showing as much his sophomore year as he got to show this year as a, as a freshman, his junior year is somebody that we are we are definitely excited to be developing and continue to bring in some really good players around him. Um we we've been kind of lucky to identify a really good young core um, that we're going to start having on campus for visits and hopefully signing here in the next few weeks. Uh, predominantly some from Houston, a couple from El Paso. Um, you know, the locomotives have been great to us. They you know, we've got to see a few of those guys play. Um, they were obviously at the USL championships a few weeks ago and seeing those guys play was great. And so we, we're super excited to actually bring in a young core that that I think by their junior year at Sol Ross state, those will be the guys that are playing 90 minutes for us. Um, in terms of how we're going to attack this, whether it's transfer heavy, freshman heavy, I think for us it's about finding the best player and it's about finding the best mm -hmm. guy that fits uh, what we're looking for. And the guy that understands what this is, what it means to live here, what it means to play here. Um, you know, there are no secrets, you know, we, we are fully transparent about what this is and what this move means for us and the challenges that will come with it. Um, you know, but we're lucky we get to we get to sell the Lone Star, you know, going D3 to D2. And again, it's different when you go to Lone Star. We get to sell being in one of the most competitive conferences in the country with some of the best players. And so, you know, whatever challenges comes with it, every game is hard and you're playing against some of the best. And I think that's going to really attract some really good international players as well. At Panhandle, we were over 70% international in our roster. Um, I don't think we'll quite hit that at Sol Ross because I, I I do have a real love for the Texas players that we're bringing in and we're looking at. Um, but obviously bringing in some internationals to really intermingle with them too, we're, we're super excited for. Awesome. Now, you are in the unique, being there in Alpine, right? You're in the unique situation where you're in, you're kind of not too far. You're pretty embedded into one of the, one of the hotbeds, one of the sleeper hotbeds, as I call it, of soccer talent in not only in the state of Texas, but in the country in that far west Texas, greater El Paso area. Right. Mm -hmm. um, so how do you find, you know, you talked about a little bit with locomotive. How much have you had a chance to really discover there so far be, before we talk a little bit more of the general Texas high school soccer mm -hmm. scene? So we've we've been out there. I've been out there a couple of times already. Um you know, just getting a good feel of, you know, all of our players here are from El Paso. So they have a really good uh, landscape of who to watch, you know, who, who, what schools to be watching, who's, who's always got good players and things like that. Um, so I've gone out there a few times to watch a few high schools. 
Um, it, and I would agree. It's one of those places where if you can find the right ones, uh, there are some really, really good players here. So I've been out there a couple of times. Um, I, I hit a couple of the tournaments where we just sit in the stadium and, and watch you know, five or six games at one time. Um, the high school coaches have been super, I feel a lot of them have been super receptive and super excited for this change. Um, just seeing division two soccer be accessible to these El Paso players. So, you know, for a lot of them that are capable of playing division one, division two, they have to go a bit further than maybe they would like. And now there's a place where, where we are playing in a super competitive conference that is only three hours away from home. And that's making it more attractive and financially it's super attractive to bring in some really good players as well. Um, we've been out there a ton of good players. We've got a couple coming on campus here in the next couple weeks. Um, you know, and even some of them are ex locomotive players as they have to decide whether to be in, in the Academy or they, they just stay with their high school team and, and play that way. Right. Um, so there are really some, some good players that have decided to just do the high school thing and they're, they're great. Um, and I love them. They just want to play. And for me, that's, that's amazing. They just want to play ball that rolls goals. And, and that's what really brings them here. Um, they don't need too much. They don't ask for too much. And that's, what's really, I, I didn't know what my expectations were coming here in all honesty, but I know now that I've really enjoyed working with them because their wants and needs are just so simple. They just want to play and they want to enjoy playing. Um, and they want to play as much as possible. And I think if we can supply them that they, they will come and we'll start getting in some of the best ones. Yeah. You mentioned having a, a certain level of appreciation for the, the Texas athlete. Right. And, uh, now, what what are your, what are your thoughts on that that tech that player who maybe beyond just not just El Paso right but uh, that athlete in the, from the Texas area and as well as just the Texas high school soccer scene? What have you in your time now that you've come here? You know, and maybe you noticed it when you were at, at Oklahoma Panhandle, but what have you really noticed now with that particular and the Texas high school soccer scene? I, I honestly didn't know much about it at, at Panhandle. I think maybe, you know, we do the Dallas Cup thing whenever we could. Um, high school high school tournament, you know, we were super close to Amarillo, so we would hit a high school tournament and Canyon when we could. Um, that was okay. Um, I think it really hit me hard when I went out. I actually went out to Houston, I, I think, two weeks ago, and I just sat and watched games and all the showcases they're doing where everybody's playing two or three games in a weekend. And – you just kind of sit there and go like, wow, like you can just sit here and pick anybody out of some of these schools and odds are they're not really talking to anybody. Um, of course, except for the exceptional ones, they, but the good thing is there are some really, really exceptional ones that actually do get the love that they deserve finding some really, really good schools. Um, but I think if you just go out there long enough and just watch, there are some really good players that maybe, maybe year one, they're not making the same type of impact that, that maybe the top end are, but they're, they're good trainers and a lot of them are coming from good environments too. They, the odd are that a lot of them are playing for a club team and they have that, that structure that you want. But then on the other side, they're, they're scoring all the goals for their team at high school. And that's really good too, because they're learning to win and they're learning to be the right. best player and they're learning to, to potentially guide a team. And so I found with, with some of these guys, they're actually getting kind of the best of both worlds, a structured training environment. And then they're getting to lead younger players as they are seniors and kind of exiting that time of their life. Um, they're, they're guiding younger players. And that's kind of what we hope for with the Texas guys we bring here that as they get older, they're, they're guiding younger players. Um, I, I texted, I texted my here. I, and I said, dude, I've been out here at Houston for a whole day. And in all honesty, you could build, you could build a team just off this. 
you know, will we be good straight away? It depends. We'll be super young because they're all seniors. But like, how do you not just sit out here a couple couple weeks out of the out of the spring and the winter and you could you could build a whole a whole roster and then you're not even talking about Texas kids that do go JUCO um, right. or potentially do hit the portal at some time of their life. Um, it's just such a big pool, and that's just Houston we're we're speaking on too. Like there's it's everywhere. It's it, it's everywhere in Texas, and so that's been really cool. That made me f- fall into love with hey, it's okay for us to build a a Texas roster with some of the other guys sprinkled in, I think coming from Panhandle, it's easy to go. This is D2. It's, it's a hard conference. It has to be international. It has to be old guys. It has to be all this. It has to be all that when there's a good young core of players all over Texas right now. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you hit on a key piece there too, in, in regards to JUCO, right? The junior college, because as it relates in the state of Texas, it is one of the so many great soccer programs that are just, I mean, under underappreciated, I don't know, just unknown, uh, mm-hmm. just under, I'm not going to say underrepresented, but um, the junior college programs, there are some powerhouses here in the state of Texas that I think a lot of people just don't know, right? They don't mm-hmm. know. They're finding out more about junior college now, ever, especially since post-pandemic. Um, yeah. But yeah, such a great point on that one. Um, now on the recruiting front, Coach, where what is that looking like for you in the next uh, next few weeks, next few months, as far as showcases, tournaments? Where will you all be? What can you share with us on that front? Um, so for the next couple of weeks, we're gonna actually gonna be we're gonna be here, um, getting our current our current guys organized, um, getting getting our GA really moving, and getting a getting a map out for him. Uh, we've also got. We've got quite a few visits coming up over the next four or five weeks. And so we're going to try and make sure that those guys are a priority and we're giving those guys a good experience and get those and get them signed. Um, we're, we're definitely going to make a trip or two back out to Houston to, to see some games as we're going to try and, uh, you know, follow up on guys we're, we're currently speaking with, but also anybody new that might be falling under the radar or maybe we didn't get a chance to see last time. Um RGA is from El Paso. He went to he went to Eastwood, and so for him going back home to see a couple games or two is not hard. So we'll we'll be sending him out to quite a few things. Dallas Cup would be the I think the obvious showcase. We've got a showcase out in um, Arizona, the RSL College Combine that we're going to be hitting. Um, that's going to be a cool opportunity for us too. Those are the two big ones right now on the landscape that we know going down the road we're going to hit. Um, as you know, I'm sure you've heard it's a trend like. We we don't know where we're going, and then a kid texts us that we really want to see play. Like, hey, I'm playing here this weekend, and so we hop in the car and go, and that kind of takes a head on its own, and we end up watching four or five games and staying out there for a couple of days. So um, I, I think right now we're predominantly going to be in Texas. We'll be in Arizona one time for sure. Um, and then, of course, our international recruiting we're taking care of right here in the office. Right. right. Great stuff. Busy, right? Busy, which is to be expected. That's a good thing. Yeah. That's a good thing. Um, so as we start to transition here, Coach, and we start to wrap up with segment one, um, kind of a very broad question, but you're probably in a unique position to answer it better than most, uh, given just the different levels that you've seen in a short amount of time. But um, your thoughts on the state of the college game, regardless of level, maybe, but just, you know, we, we've seen so much change from during the pandemic, post-pandemic, uh, mm-hmm. NIL, which is the hot one right now, and then the transfer portal, which I know you're going to 
you're going to learn to experience a lot more making the jump to D2. Um, what are what are your takeaways, your thoughts, the product that you're seeing on the field, off the field? What are uh, I know I just threw a lot there at you, but what yeah. are some thoughts in terms of the state of the game from your perspective? Oh, that I think the state of it right now is it's a right here, right now type of business. Um, coaches want to win and players want to play. Um, and sometimes it, it, it just doesn't always work out that way. And I think that's why the transfer portal is so, so popular and such a hot topic right now. Um, you know, we don't, we don't get a chance to develop players. You get two weeks for preseason, two games a week, you know, in the middle of all that two games a week, you, you're doing recovery, you're on the road for 10 hours, you know, then you're back on the road for 10 hours, hotel, study hall, things like that. So, you know, we don't get that opportunity to develop players. And so that's why you're, you're seeing that jump into the portal. And so I, I think it'd be super easy to say that we can plug it all on the players. We can plug it all on the coaches. Um, I think just right now, it's just like this, this loop of everybody wants what they want right here, right now. And if they can't get it, how do I find it? Um, I think that's the state that we're in, but obviously like at, at the convention, the, the 21st century model is something that's really sprouting back up. Like how do we get to where we are playing, you know, longer and we're having longer periods of time with players to develop them. So maybe if there is a player that's not playing a lot, where we have more time to train and we can develop those guys. So maybe they're not feeling like they're not a part of the program. I have to jump in the portal right now. It's we can actually take our time to develop those guys and make sure that by year two, they, they really do stand a chance of playing. Um, it, it can't, it can be hard if they're just not ready to play. It, it sometimes can be hard to play them. And I understand because at the end of the day, the players want to play and they're going to find a place that they're going to play. And I think that's kind of the state that we're in. Coaches want to win games and players want to play minutes. Um, and so I think that's that's a hard thing to navigate. And I don't think it's on anybody. I don't think it's on anybody's fault. And I think for us to point the finger at anybody, we're not doing it service. I think for for us and within your program, you have to find a way to adapt to what the players are wanting and what your program needs and what your program can offer. Um, I think we, if we could adapt something where we can develop players and have longer periods with them and longer recovery and, and all these types of things. Maybe that does, maybe that does do something to the portal, um, you know, and maybe that helps change because 2,700 guys go into the portal and 2,700 guys do not find a home. And that, right, right. that's sad and it's hard. Um, I can't really speak on the NIL just because I don't have a ton of experience in it. I haven't really seen anything with it quite yet. Um, but of course, it's a trickle down effect. Whatever's happening in world football goes all the way down to the youth. You know, it bypasses all of us and whatever's going on up there, it comes all the way down to us. Um, so I'm sure at some point we'll, we'll see the effects of that. Yeah. Right here, right now is a great way of putting it, right? I, that's the first time I've heard that. And uh, that's a great, that's a great way of putting it. I think uh, <laughs> you said that and the Sammy Hagar Van Halen song came to mind right when you said that, but but yeah, it's a great way of putting it. Um, you know, one of the conversations we had recently in uh, one of our previous episodes with with college, well, a couple of college coaches was you in regards to development, which you hit so much on development, um, which are so many great points. Right. And to try to cram that into a tiny spring period um, is always tough. But I think that was the big push, as you know, I'm sure you're familiar with right that 21st century model. Uh 
that was trying to be pushed, particularly with the D1 men's soccer on the D1 men's soccer side of the house that got that was shot down a couple of years ago. So yeah. I'm waiting. I'm I'm hoping. I'm expecting that at some point that really picks up steam again, kind of a 2.0 version where uh, and maybe beyond D1. Yeah. Um, but uh, but I think that's very much needed in terms of just from the the mental health aspect of the of the student athlete, the life right professional balance for the coaches but also with the developmental piece as well for players who want to play right players who want to earn their playing time as well so uh so much good in that and i think uh, and it also leads to less less school time less class time missed which uh which also baffles me but i get it from the standpoint of the logistics piece the budget piece um, the Mm -hmm. administration the administrator coverage piece but i think uh I think it makes a lot of sense. I, I think yeah. it really does. So, um, but yeah, it's a great, uh, great point. Uh, so we start to segue here, coach, let me, uh, we're going to tell everybody about our good friends, good friends at Gippers. So Gippers is a way that schools, athletic departments, ADs, and coaches create world-class marketing content. Join over 3000 coaches, ADs, directors, and SIDs who use Gipper to create high quality visual branded graphics for your program. The best part, anyone can do it in seconds on any device without needing any design experience whatsoever. If you do have significant design experience, then this is designed for you as well with you in mind because it's designed for the power user as well. So just for being a listener of the 5050 podcast, you can receive 10% off any first time Gipper purchase. Uh, So just for being a supporter, a listener, starting today, you can save on any first time Gipper purchase. Simply go to gipper.com slash partner slash 5050. Again, that's gipper.com slash partner slash 5050 to learn more. And our other great friends, our great friends, both Bill and Kyle, had Global Scarves. Global Scarves is the top provider of custom-knitted scarves, beanies, and other fan merchandise in the U.S. All merch is fully custom with free design services and free shipping on all orders. That's the big one, right? That free shipping piece on all orders, that always helps. You can contact them at info at globalscarves.com to get any free designs, quotes, or quotes built out for your school, club. Maybe you have a supporters group that you want to do, or maybe in support of a particularly a a program, whatever, a club, uh, a college program, right? You can contact them again, info at globalscarves.com, and they'll work on getting those free designs for you right away. They do great work on that. Simply mention the podcast or use the code hashtag 5050pod, and they'll be sure to take care of you. So, all right, coach, moment of truth, counterattack time. We get uh, get to mess with you a little bit, throw random stuff at you, see how you respond. I'm just kidding. Uh, we'll take it easy on you. So, you ready? Yes, sir. All right. First one, cats or dogs? Dogs. Dogs. All right. Good man. Lake or ocean? Oof. This has been uh, one I've been asking a lot lately. I'm going to go lake. You're a good man. You're two, two for two with me. So, um, now, do you want to explain that a little bit or not really? Um, there's just so many unknowns in the ocean. I know there's a ton of unknowns in a lake, too. But um, I've just not had a ton of good snorkeling experiences in the ocean, so I'd rather I'd rather just stay away and get on a boat, go in the lake. Yeah, yeah. there's more controlled unknowns in lakes. Is the way I put it, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah. All right. VAR. Yes or no? VAR. VAR. Ah, oh, it is hard. I'm going to say it has good purpose, but I'm going to say until we can get it right and get it consistent, 
I would say no until we can get it consistent. Well, as long yeah. as it involves humans, you know, that's going to always be hard, right? So, yeah, yeah. All right. Book you are currently reading or recently read? Um, What Drives Winning. The, mm. um, the What Drives Winning stuff with uh, Becky Good Burley work. and uh, Ledbetter. Yeah. 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 They, they put out phenomenal stuff, phenomenal mm -hmm. content. Um, all right. Great stuff. Professional coach, you pattern yourself after or have a lot of maybe you don't pattern yourself after, but a lot of respect for you read up on them a good bit. Um, I think from just controlling the environment and managing, I'm a I'm a massive Sir Alex Ferguson fan, um, big, big United fan, too. I think from a tactics perspective, um, it's a bit of everybody. I think the uh, Zerbi is is obviously one we're all kind of we're watching right now and. Pep would be the obvious one as well, but uh, Sir Alex Ferguson for me has always just mm -hmm. been one that I like. I like reading about and kind of taking books and whatever we can kind of find. Yeah, he's an all-timer for sure, without a doubt. Uh, I'm going to pretend I didn't hear you say you're a United fan. All right, we'll just bypass that part. Okay, we there are certain things we don't say on this podcast. That's one of them, yeah. so we'll just ignore that part. All right, uh, next one. These are kind of a pair. Uh, current music and podcast playlist what's in that rotation your players go and pick up your phone right now and they stumble across whatever your apple mute apple music apple podcasts spotify maybe youtube what are they going to find um i think for podcasts would be uh that peter crouch podcast um that's a good one for me on, on the road and uh ben foster's podcast as well i really like um i think in terms of music um band I was listening to the other day is called Mammoth, which is Wolfgang Van Halen's band. Um, yeah, so yeah. they're, it's a cool little tune. I, I'm a big rock guy. I, I played mm -hmm. the drums in high school and stuff like that. So, um, nice. but obviously being now with a bunch of El Paso guys and things like that, Peso Pluma is on the Spotify too. Um, <laughs> I so love it. It, love it. It, it depends on the day. It could have anything. Yeah. Get it. You're getting cultured there. I love it. Um, yeah. yeah, I heard that name not too long ago. I don't know, maybe about a year ago, right? But mm -hmm. I had no idea what some of my players were talking about. And uh, yeah, so yeah. That, should, that should tell you something. Um, great stuff. How is that? Uh, I've never actually, that's one of the ones that I've never listened to, the uh, Peter Crouch. Uh, mm -hmm. How is that one? Oh, it's 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 really, really good. Um, they Now they have just so many different types of people that come on and, and things right. like that. But at first, I think it was more about Crouchy as a pro and things like that, but obviously they've really expanded it. Um, it and, and it's funny. He's a he's a funny guy, so I like it. Yeah, um, yeah and that's why I remember when it first came out, it was exclusively him, right? So I was trying mm -hmm. to tune in, and then I saw that they were kind of venturing out, so I kind of kind of fell off track with that one for that reason. That's why yeah. I kind of ask, but uh, but yeah, yeah, it's he's he's hilarious. I could, mm -hmm. I could listen to that guy talk all day. Yeah. All right. Next one. So this one, this one will always start fights. Greatest sports, greatest and worst sports movie. Oh. Wow. <sighs> greatest. Greatest or my favorite? Because I think those are. We'll, we'll see. I don't know. We'll see. Give us both. Give us both. We'll see. I'm going to I'm going to side I'm going to side of where I'm currently living and I'm going to say Glory Road is is a massive one for me. 
Um, Amen. Worst one. Oh, jeez. You know the goal. The goal series came out, and goal one was everybody's favorite. Goal two was not everybody's favorite. I don't think goal three made it to made it to film. Um, yeah. I think that I think that one took a massive, took a big, big, big drop. Um, so I think that'd be Glory Road is great. Coach Carter is great. Um, those are those are really two big ones for me that I really like. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The goal series, yeah, the goal one, series. And two, one and two were very good, uh, and for some reason, I, I kind of liked one was phenomenal, but I kind of I I loved two just as much. You know, I'm a huge, huge Real Madrid fan, so I you know really really took to that one as well. But it's a great those first two, and then the third one. I don't know if it was like <laughs> like a bootleg edition or I don't know what yeah. was going on there, but um, but yeah, it's a great and Glory Road, phenomenal, phenomenal story. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, what about the worst, worst sports movie? I don't, I don't know if I might be the best person to answer this. I don't know. I mean, most sport movies I've watched are coming off of a recommendation and I usually, I usually like them. So I don't know. I don't know if I'm the best guy to answer it. <laughs> There was no, there was no one that said it's like, God, that was awful. That was garbage. No, I don't yeah. think so. I'm, I'm also not a big movie guy, so like, I'm pretty, I'm pretty easily, I'm pleased, you know. <laughs> All right, next one. So this one kind of builds off of the movie question: uh, favorite and least favorite sports, or sports team, not sports team, soccer team. Favorite and least favorite soccer team. Um, Man United would be, would be my top. Um, and you have to, you have to throw the, the Liverpool and, and city and, and Leeds in that, in that least favorite, um, Man, you have like a whole collection, you have a collection of them, huh? You don't, not just one. I, if you're a United fan, you have to, you have to buy into all of them. Right. Um, gosh, it's hard. It's, it's Liverpool would be probably the worst of all of them. I, I that would be the one I least hate. Cause, cause right now just, you can't not watch city and just be like, wow, good. You know they play good football, but history says we, we can't like them. But I I, I would say Liverpool. <laughs> <laughs> I was gonna say good man, good man. All right, next one. Um, one thing you are appointed, right? We say Bailey Guffin is appointed soccer czar in America today. What is his very first item he would change in soccer in America tomorrow? Agenda item number one. Anything goes, everything goes. You make the, you make all the decisions. What is the very first thing you implement tomorrow? Wow, wow! For all, for all soccer, you can go any direction you want to go in in soccer in America. Oh, that's hard. <laughs> um, that's why I ask it? Yeah, it's supposed to be a good one. Oh. Uh, because it's it's easy to identify all the things that need to change, right? It's a matter of man, it's like where do I begin, right? That's always the tough one. I'm gonna go ahead and say the first thing we would have to attack is 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 kind of doing away with VAR for for a good bit. That's that's <laughs> yeah. gonna be a big one, especially now that we're hearing that, especially now seeing it, you know, NCAA. You know, D ones are doing it too with mm -hmm. with the cameras and stuff. It's just 
it's hard. I'm not, I'm not, you know, we, and it takes so many goals away from Man United right now. And so it's hard. Which is not um, a bad thing. Which is, it's not a bad thing. I'm, I'm okay with that one. I'm okay with that one. So, yeah. So I'm just putting that one out there. All right. <laughs> so VAR is yeah. going to tackle first. All right. Next one. Now, now, as a coach, not as a player, any game day superstitions or rituals? What do you got? And maybe you're doing these regularly game day and you're not realizing that you're doing them consistently. Right. So that's the other reason why I like to ask coaches this. I would say one thing I find myself consistently doing on game day or leading up to game day is I'm a, I'm a big fan of, I'm a big fan of like documentaries on the game, specifically players. I just kind of always find myself watching those type. Those are, I'm not sure why. I don't know if it's a motivational thing or it just really gets me in the mood or whatever it might be. Like I always find myself watching documentaries probably the morning of a game. Um, it, maybe it just suits me out. I don't really know. But in terms of like specific things I have to do, um, we have Skittles on the sideline for halftime. I always have to have a cup of Skittles with me at the second half. That's for sure. That's the thing. Um, um, you're, you're first, I'm trying to remember who it was, but you're not the first to say Skittles. It's interesting. Really? Yeah, you're not the first half to specifically Skittles halftime. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, you give them all to the players. And as soon as the whistle goes, I turn around and I go, okay, who has the Skittles? Yeah. <laughs> I take a Gatorade cup and I, yeah, it keeps me, it keeps me quiet. lets me evaluate for a little bit. I don't have too many things that like specifically I have to do because I try not to I try not to think about those types of things. I try not to if we if we win a game, I try to think of more like how we prepped and how the guys felt and how we were feeling and what are some of those factors rather than like, oh I didn't wear that specific set of socks or I did, I have to have those. So I, I try to I try to base it more on the feeling. Mm-hmm. Maybe if it's what time I went to bed or something I ate, things like that. I try to trace it back, but I try not to play with myself like that. Um, try to just do the best I can and just take emotion out of those types of things and just go coach and hope, hope the game plan is right. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, all right. Next one. I know you say you're not much of a, not much of a movies guy, but your most recent binge watch Netflix, maybe prime videos, something else, Hulu, uh, I don't know. Maybe it was a, a Peso Pluma series, right? I don't know. What, uh, what's what been the most recent uh, binge watch there? Oh, Netflix. I'm thinking. And, oh, I did I did the Beckham series in a day. I know that. I, know I, heard, that that for sure. I heard that's phenomenal. I'm still... I made it the end. I think I'm on episode two, but I just haven't moved on because I wanted to catch the uh, the one that's out on Netflix right now. The uh, mm-hmm. what is it? The it's chronicling the uh, the last men's world cup, the captains of the world. I yeah, think. I just yeah, haven't, I I haven't started that either. So Beckham series, and then it that typically depends on what my wife and I are doing because we will usually have a series going no matter what. Um, we were do- naked and afraid for a while. That was mm-hmm. always one of our top ones that we were watching in terms of a series. Whoa. Gosh. I don't know. It's whatever she's watching. Yeah. <laughs> I would say the last, thing I binged, the last thing I binged would be the Beckham series, front to back. 
didn't take my eyes from it. That mm. that was it. Yeah. Okay. Good. All right. Next one. In three words, this is always a little bit more of the reflective. Can be sound a little cheesy on the on the surface, but usually some some good perspective behind it is uh, in three words. Why do you coach? Three words. Why do I coach? Um, winning. I love to win. I, I do. Um, competition. Uh, it's because I played and I, I want to stay. I love being in that. I love being in that state of mind where we're competing. Um, I'm trying to think, I guess, I guess developing or growing or building is definitely something that I think I've really adapted and I've really seen to myself as being a massive fan of, of the project and the process and developing players and, and building a program and, and things like that. So I would say, I, I mean, who doesn't love to win? Who doesn't love to compete? And I think just the, the, the project uh, of what we're doing right now is definitely when I got into this specific role and I see all the things that we have to get done and do while it might be stressful, it's exactly what I think I needed to be doing. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Great one. Good one. All right. This is always one of my favorite ones to ask. As of late, I've been asking this one just because I love seeing the look on coaches' faces when I ask it. How would your players describe you? How do my players describe me? Um, talkative. I'm I probably talk too much, um, <laughs> um, whether it's tactics or team meetings, um, talkative. <sighs> this is hard. <laughs> talkative. I'd like to think that they say I'm organized, probably, probably in a good and a bad way. I have a PowerPoint presentation for everything oh wow it has, to, it has to be has to be up there team meeting you know even if we're going over grades mm -hmm. we'll put it on the presentation um so, you didn't create you didn't create a presentation to prepare for uh for the this podcast did you you didn't create one for yourself did you? i thought about it you thought, <laughs> thought but since i'd be the only one that sees it you know i only make it if everybody else is going to see it oh so, gotcha I even have a presentation made for a meeting that just me and my GA will have just us two, instead of just like <laughs> writing it down, I'll, you know, it looks good. Yeah. Um, so probably, probably over-organized. Um, oh man. I think another word they would say is just like oh, obsessed with what we have going on here. Right. Um, right. I, I am I am one of those. I am in the category of coaches that looks like they don't ever give get sleep when you see me the next morning. Um, on on the caffeine addiction train, um, monsters, ghosts, coffee, whatever it might be. Right, um, right. Oh, that's what they would describe me as a caffeine addict. Actually, <laughs> actually, I I retract whatever I just said. It would be that. Yeah, that one. Yeah. That's what I get the most stick yeah. for. Is right. anytime ain't nothing wrong yeah. with monster. Ain't nothing wrong with monster. Anytime there's a fridge, monsters around anything, they're like, oh, you know, they got one coach. I'm like, okay. So uh 
that I would, I would put it in, I would put it into that. Um, but in perspective, just very, very invested in what we're doing here. Um, both good and bad. It can be great because we want to make sure they succeed and it can be bad because there's more to life than soccer some days. Um, so I, I think it could go either way. <laughs> you know, true to form, you started that with just about like every other coach, right? They start off with, I would like to think <laughs> they all start with that on some levels. So, which is, which is hilarious. I mean, I, I get why coaches say it, but cause it's hard to entirely determine that, but still it's, it's pretty yeah. funny. A uh, couple more coach. How would you, this next one. So think about your time, how much you've learned, how much you developed different training courses, mentors, what you've learned in your time as a coach. If you could go back and now coach you, how would you have coached you? Coach myself. Knowing what you know now, how you were able to identify yourself as a player, right? Um, How would you go back and coach you, the player? I... That's tough because I actually thought my coach that had me did a pretty good job. Um, not just from a tactical perspective, but just the thing I value the most about the coach I had at one period was he showed me a lot about myself that I did not quite know about myself yet. Um, and I think that helped me become a coach. Um, what, do you, what, do you mean by, what do you mean by that? Um, I was, you know, I'll be transparent. I was never the best player I was playing for ever, 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 ever. Um, I was never the tallest player either. I like from a physical perspective, uh, liability and every ball out of the air and set piece that you can think of. Um, but I just loved, I just loved playing and I loved just running around and yeah, I, I had a bit of ability here and there and things like that, but I loved running. I loved being a part of it and I loved telling people what to do. Um, and I think it, it, it took somebody to show me like, look, we know you're not going to be as good as this guy, this guy, this guy, but like without, without you here, these are the things that fall down the rabbit hole, whether it be accountability, whether it be, we're not training hard enough, whether it be like, there are so many other things. And so I, and it showed me that those are things are super important to me. Those are super important to me now as a coach. Um, And, but I don't think, you know, when you're a young player, you just identify yourself as, you know, Bailey, a, a player, and you don't really identify with anything else. And when he kind of showed me how much importance I was putting towards a team that did not involve how well I, I, I could kick a ball. That's, that's what really kind of set me on a path of like, you know, building a program and, and kind of things like that. And I, I never saw myself inside of that. Um, now, how would I coach myself? I tell myself to get fitter for sure. Um, you know, get, get fitter, stop, tackling everybody just because you want to. Um, uh, I would just, oh, this is hard. <laughs> this is hard. This is hard. I would just, I, I think I would tell myself more of the soccer things that I don't think I was ready to hear at that time. I was told a lot of great things about who I like, you know, I was a nice guy and things like that, but I felt like I never got critiqued enough in the way I played ever. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't think I ever, and that's not, that's not a disrespect on any coach. I just, I don't think at that age I was, I was, I was ready to process something like that. Somebody telling me I wasn't 
good at these things that I thought I was, I was amazing at. Um, and kind of naturally had to find that out the hard way when recruitment was hard to come by. And, um, I just, I just wasn't the best player in my team. I just wish maybe at an earlier age, some, I was just told that, um, and maybe that's how I would approach it. Like, Hey, you have all these great qualities as a, B and C, but if you want to play at the next level, you have to have these things as a player. You have to, um, I think that's how I kind of attack it. Yeah. It's a great one. Great one. That's. I think that might be. You know, I've asked that one a handful of times now. That might be the first time that that one's come up quite like that. So I appreciate that. That's very, very transparent and uh, you know, very uh, you know, great candor on your part. So I appreciate that. Um, all right, Coach. Got one more here for you. All right. So this is the big one, the reflective one, the one that puts you on the spot a little bit. All right. So the not so much the spring, obviously, but we're talking about the fall here. The 2024 college soccer season for the Sol Ross State Lobos will be a success if – finish that sentence. Mm. I'm going to say a funny one just to break the ice. If we beat Eastern New Mexico, because that's my boss. Wow. That's my boss. <laughs> he'll love um, that. He'll, he'll, he'll love that. And if he ever sees this, he'll probably call me on the phone and go, no way. Yeah. Um, not happening. Make sure, uh, make sure he sees this episode. <laughs> yeah, I'll have to send this to him and go, Hey, I've, I've dropped your name in this a couple of times just to let you know. Right, right. Um, gosh, Sol Ross will be a success if we, I think, if I can get this staff organized the way that I, I see it in my mind in terms of having a GA, a student manager, potentially a goalkeeper coach here, I think if we can get those things aligned. A, get a transparent and realistic message to our players. I think if we can get everybody on the same page and where we're going and what that looks like for us, I think that's, that's the victory. And I think that will look more in terms of, yeah, in all transparency, how many of these guys do we bring in and they hit and they hit the portal because they weren't invested in the process. Maybe whether we didn't put our expectation out there clear enough or, you know, we didn't do a good job recruiting or things like that. I think for me, it's success for Solar Austin 2024 is getting the players that we want, getting organized and being very good at the basics within our, within our, our staff and our organization and making sure that we compete every time we go, whether it's the worst team in the country or it's, it's Midwestern state. I want my guys to have no fear when we play. Um, I, I like for them, that's kind of the beauty of them being so young. These guys don't necessarily register what a Midwestern state is, you know, what, you know, what the West Texas A&M, they don't, they just know the school, you know, maybe with a transfer, they know exactly what some of these top teams are about. And maybe they go right, in with right. a bit more, Oh, well, this team's really good. Our guys will know that they're good, but I just, I don't think they'll care. And I think if we can get to that point where they don't care who they're playing, we want to play, we want to compete. We want to, we want to do these things right. We want to do them our way. I think that's going to be, that's going to be the success. Um, keeping those players, um, keeping our process, um, getting the basics, getting our basics really done right with recruitment and um, our culture and you know, training, um, making sure training is always a top priority for us. So mm. I think that was a, I know it's kind of a broad answer and maybe not too, and maybe not specific enough, but I think, 
I think a lot of the victories will be internal that maybe nobody else is going to see. Right. Right. No, I mean, it shows yeah. shows a certain level of perspective and that you're kind of already thinking of, of it. Because one of the reasons why I love to ask that question is it kind of gets you thinking in terms of a barometer, right? Of how do I met? How do we measure this? How do we internally, me as the coach, overseeing the program and then the program, right? The the players, everybody, the staff. How do we measure this? How do we ma how do we manage it? So um, that's really why I like to ask that mm -hmm. uh, more so than to kind of get the impression that we're putting the coach on the spot here. Um, and a shout out to to Coach Rafa Rafa Castorena, who's also my co-host on Inside Texas High School Soccer. You can catch him as part of the San Antonio Soccer Roundtable. They do great stuff. He's also a Saul Ross, uh, Saul Ross alum as well. So I know he'll be rooting you on, Coach. Uh, thank God he's not a Manchester United fan, so we won't hold that against him. But he is a Real Madrid fan, so okay. so yeah, had to sneak that one back in there, Coach. Sorry. So, <laughs> Coach, that's gonna do it. Uh, I've really loved having you on. You gave us tremendous insight. Really loved your perspective, and uh, you know it's an exciting time for for you for your program. What you all are doing there getting ready to take that big leap and you're growing um, and very excited for you. Very happy to have you here as well. And as we wrap up here uh, for our, what we call our, our stoppage time here, final thoughts, go ahead. And we typically what we do is with our guests, we give them the opportunity to share whatever's on their mind, shout outs, thank yous, anything they want to share as a regard, you know, thoughts as it may relate to the game or just in general, um, the floor is yours. Uh, I think I think my final thoughts for I think going into next year with with the portal continuing to increase its numbers. I tell every young player, I think most college coaches would agree, go go where you are super valued, but just just give give these things more time, give coaches more time, give schools more time. Um, you know, it's not always it's not always greener on the other side. A school may not able to give you that big scholarship you want. The the team that you go for may not be better than the current team that you're in. You may not even get more playing time. Give these things a chance. Like absolutely give some of these people a chance. As long as you feel the process is right, you know, do it and go and and just stay and just give these things time. Um, for young coaches, um, I don't know if I'm in one category or another, but this is what I tell young coaches. You know, I'm. I'm 26 and, you know, we, we talk to a lot of guys that are a little bit younger or maybe just right at the same age. Like, well, what do we do? What's the, everybody wants to do a ton of hands-on opportunity. And I think that's amazing. I found my most growing, my most development was being in an elite environment where I could watch, ask questions not have the stress of doing a ton of things correct. It was just like, I want to see what you guys are doing. Why do you do it? And obviously we steal everything. Soccer coaches, like when nobody's reinventing the wheel, my time at DC United, my time at West Virginia university with some, but just, just insanely top coaches in the country. Um, just, just watching them do their thing and just like, just being a fly on the wall for every conversation. I learned way more there. And if I can encourage anything for young coaches to find those elite level coaches that you can be a bug on the wall and just learn, 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 and do the application, you know, it will come with time. And mm -hmm. I think because so many of us young coaches want to be the boss and want to be the man at the chair, but trust me, 
the day you get in the chair, you forget everything that you know, and you got to make it yours. So the longer you can learn from some of these people, absolutely do it. Um, special shout out to all my Sol Ross alum, all you people out there. Um, my wife, who, you know, we spend a lot, I spend a lot of time away from home and that can be, right. that can be tough. We're both, we're both young. Um, marriage is new to us and, um, she, she appreciates everything that I'm doing and appreciates the grind and, um, travels everywhere with me. Mm, obviously special shout out to Brandon Miseraco over at Eastern New Mexico. I name dropped him a couple of times, so I have to give him a little love in there. Um, and, uh, go Man United. Hopefully we turn things around. <laughs> the, um, thank you for that coach. Appreciate it. Uh, for, for almost all of that. Right. Um, now I was going to say, yeah, for sure. Your spouse, right. Your wife, uh, takes a special <laughs> kind of like, you know, me being a retired, retired veteran. Um, I can, I can attest to, yeah, different worlds, no doubt, but I'm not saying one is the same, but just like being married to a, uh, member of the military being being married to a coach takes a special <laughs> takes a special person for yes. sure so shout out shout out to her uh well said and uh you know for our or almost forgot uh where can so they want to get more information coach on your program social media websites where can they go to get more information on Sol ross um you know going just going to our usual website has a ton of stuff um you know just solar state university we have all of our things on there soccer program specific um our instagram is a lot more uh updated than our twitter currently um that's going to be srsu men's soccer on instagram um and then in terms of getting in touch with me reaching out to me you know my email and, and things like that just sending your stuff in um i'm happy to I'm happy to get on phone calls with players and, and talk to them about the program and, and where we're going. Um, we're not super big on Twitter quite, quite yet. We have an account. We just, we're way more on Instagram. Um, it seems to have a lot of pull on there. Um, I'm trying to think anything else. No, that's, that's it really. And then of course, if uh, my stuff is always like at Bailey Guffin, if you guys ever see me on Twitter or Instagram thing, I don't have a ton of coaching stuff on my Instagram, um, on Twitter, usually you just see the odd tweet when United aren't playing well from me. Um, not a lot of recruiting stuff. Um, but of course, you know, DMs and things like that come through for sure. Right. Now, the one thing I did forget to ask you earlier, though, is any upcoming camp dates, ID camp specific, ID camp dates specifically there to Saul Ross, anything there on that front? Nothing, nothing set in stone yet. Um, our ambition and our target is to have one either in the spring or this summer um and then our target for years down the road would be it'd be great to have one at sol ross and then a satellite one in el paso um that would that would be my target for the next couple of years down the road um, but we'll definitely start sending those types of things out when we get a specific date ready to go Got it. Great stuff. And uh, thank you for that, Coach. Uh, really appreciate that. And my, as we wrap up here in stoppage time, my my final thoughts. It's really one is stay warm, <laughs> everybody. Everybody across the state. I know we got all kinds of different weather patterns all over the state. Snowing mm -hmm. up north, up here in the uh, Austin, San Antonio area. It's ice, mm -hmm. quite a bit of ice. Uh, so stay warm. I know this has already impacted people today on uh, Martin Luther King Day. 
as far as practices go tomorrow games have already been impacted across the state high school varsity yeah. games and they will be uh I, I know they'll be rescheduled probably push back a day so uh yeah. keep uh keep in the loop stay warm uh, stay safe and we look forward want to wish everybody we know there will be plenty of districts this week that that uh, startup district play so want to wish everybody um, the real season begins this week, right? District play. Um, yeah. So want to wish everybody the absolute best of luck. We, we do know some districts still a week away. Some districts are still two to three weeks away. So it just depends. But wishing everybody the best that starts, everybody, of course, but everybody that starts district play, in particular, the absolute best of luck um, beginning this week. Uh, and, and then again, as far as uh, where you can find us on social media, if you're watching this, obviously you can see this. On the on the header, you can find us on uh, Twitter X, as I call it, at 50 underscore 50 pod on Instagram at 50 underscore 50 podcast. And then, of course, on YouTube, you just simply search the 50 underscore 50 podcast. That's the quickest way to find us on YouTube uh, on Instagram live now as well. So make sure you're finding us there. We are trying to grow Twitch. We've kind of slowed down as far as our live live broadcast on Twitch as of late. But you can find us on Twitch there as well. And then as well as you can also find us our audio format, right? You can find us on all major podcast platforms, wherever you consume your podcasts, you can find us there, go on there, give us a rating uh, that helps get us through in the algorithm. So we're seeing more. That's the best way. Uh, but you can find us there. Make sure you go on there. Give us a, you know, give us a rating. Give us anything. If you think, uh, if you like the show, tell us you, you know, you liked it. If you, you know, you thought we stunk, tell us that, hey, we can, uh, we can work on some stuff. Always want that feedback as well. Um, but again, always uh, doing it for you guys. Really appreciative. And one of the things I did want to highlight, uh, you can see, if you're watching this, you can see this on the bottom, on the, uh, the ticker at the bottom. Our next episode will be coming up this Saturday, January 20th. 2 p.m. featuring coach, legendary Texas high school soccer coach, Rusty Oglesby, who is now the new, just took over, he's the new president of the United Soccer Coaches Association, as well as the new, just was named this week as well, the new head women's soccer coach at Hardin-Simmons University. So exciting times for him as well. So very excited to have him on and the fact that we have a, a president, uh, high school coach, right? Long time high school coach who was now the president of United Soccer Coaches and taking the reins at a D3 power in the state of Texas, I think says volumes, speaks volumes to him. So very excited to have him. And again, that will be this coming Saturday, January 20th, 2 p.m. featuring coach Rusty Oglesby. So that is going to do it for episode 105. He is Bailey Guffin, the head men's soccer coach, Salt Ross State University Lobos. I am your host, Coach Hector Cano. You know what to do until the next time. Keep downloading and keep listening. You've been listening to the 5050 podcast powered by National Scouting Report. Help us continue to grow by liking, rating, and subscribing on all major podcast platforms. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at 50 underscore 50 pod, on Instagram at 50 underscore 50 podcast, as well as on YouTube at the 50 underscore 50 podcast. Until the next time, keep downloading and keep listening.